Principal North, how we doing? Oh, I'm doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling good. There's something about when it's nice outside, don't you have a little bit more energy at church? Now, it was like 40 degrees last week, and somehow it's like 90 degrees today. But stick around, you'll get the weather you'll eventually like. Um, but I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling pretty accomplished. Um, a few weeks ago, I turned 35. And well, thank you, thank you. Not the moral of the story. Um, but I've been talking to my brother-in-law for a few years on doing a Tough mutter race. Okay. Now, I, it, a lot of times it's been talked, but I kind of, I was really wanting to do it, okay? And at 35, he tells me, well, why don't we do it this year? And this is how he justified it. He goes, you're getting older. It only gets harder from here. <laughs> Fine. We'll do it. So we signed up. Now, what in my mind I signed up for was not what I actually signed up for. What we signed up for was the 15K version of this Tough Mudder race. Now, for those who don't know the metric system, 15K is 9.3 miles. Okay? I am a former sprinter. Anything over a lap is way too far. <laughs> Let alone jumping up and over walls and climbing ropes and, and army crawling through mud, getting electrocuted and shocked and stuff through wires and stuff. I don't know what I signed up for. This, this was, look, I, I lost my mind, okay? <laughs> and if you saw me last week, and the kids can attest, I was not moving very well, okay? But I finished the race, okay? I went with a group of men. Um, it, was about, it was about 13 of us, and we finished the race together. And I'm so thankful that I had their support. And we're probably supporting each other, because we look like PTSD victims after the race. But... Uh, Man, was that a, a sense of accomplishment. And I was feeling pretty good all week until I saw this meme um, on the next slide. Now, the meme says, real ones know about this struggle meal. Now, I don't know if it comes across very well, but that is a picture of cinnamon sugar toast. Okay? Now, if you know what that is, it means you had a really good childhood. Okay? <laughs> that is a childhood delicacy right there. Okay? That is amazing. It also has special healing powers. Because when you're sick and grandma reaches for the cinnamon sugar toast, you know you're going to be well off. Okay? I didn't know that was a struggle meal. I had no idea. Seems very simple. It's bread, butter, sugar, cinnamon. Okay? Now, I don't know how this came about. I don't know the origins of this. I probably could have Googled it. But I imagine it was someone who was going to the cupboard, only had a few things left, and made magic, made some treasure. Okay? 
That is not a struggle meal, okay? I am contesting that this is not a struggle meal. Whoever made this meme needs to get their hands laid on them, okay? <laughs> However, you go about this. Today, I want to come to you. If you feel like you only have bread, sugar, butter, and cinnamon in your cupboards, you have enough to make some treasure. And so we're going to dig into the scriptures here. We're going to go to Mark chapter 6. And now Mark chapter 6, as you guys start to read this, um, you may have read this multiple times. But we're going to focus, I'm going to talk to the disciples about the disciples, because too many times we focus on this particular passage on the miracle that happens. However, there's some characters in this particular thing that we can learn from about having enough. Mark chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 6, reads, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. I'm talking to the disciples today. You know, those of you who spend your time, money, resources, and effort to get knowledge in order to spend time, money, effort, in order to spend time with Jesus. I'm talking to you particularly today. I'm the ones that go every Sunday. I'm talking to you today. The ones that come to Bible studies and go into Zoom rooms and stuff like that. I'm talking to you today, okay, about the disciples. I'm talking to the disciples about the disciples. See, Jesus calls them. This very first thing he does and then he sends them two by two and gives them what? Authority. Authority. Yes. Yes. What do they do with that? Verse 12 reads, They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Jumping down to verse 30, it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have the chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. See, the disciples, after being called, Jesus gives them power and authority to go and do exactly what he called them to do. And eventually they go out to the towns, things happen, and they had to come back and give a status report on what had happened. They were so tired, they didn't even have a chance to eat. See, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a calling and an assignment. If you're a believer, you have a calling and an assignment. And I'm here to tell you, don't let anyone tell you that you don't have an assignment. Right. Right. You're the only female in the corporate boardroom. Don't tell me that's not an assignment. Amen. You're a single parent who has to come home and find a creative way to cook chicken for the 10th time this week right. just so that you can connect to your teenagers and equip them for life that that is an assignment. Right. Don't tell me that you're a, a, a high school student who is the only believer that stands for truth in your peer group that that is an assignment. 
Every single one of us have an assignment. Don't tell me I'm just a Ford Assembly line worker. I don't have an assignment. No, you are putting parts of a car together. If you do your job correctly, someone who's trying to get to from point A to point B is not going to wreck because of a faulty part. You have an assignment because you're trying to equip people to get them to where they need to be. All of us have an assignment, a calling, and a ministry. And at some point, and we don't know when that's going to be, he's going to call us back for a status report. What did you do with what I gave you? I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you're young, old, whatever. You have an assignment on your life. If you're 20 right now, but you're only going to live till you're 30, you're pretty old. If you're 50, but you got to your 100, you're pretty young. You have a calling and an assignment, period. And like the disciples, when I'm called to give an account, I'm looking for that job well done. My good and faithful servant, come and get some rest. He won't ask me about my high score in a video game. He won't ask me about my highest job title I achieved. He won't ask me about the big, how much square foot my house is or what luxury cars I have. He won't ask me any of that. What did you do with what I gave you? Did I complete my assignment? And the great thing is in this story, the disciples were able to give a successful account of what they had done. So let's learn from that. How did they complete their assignment? And what can I instill so I can complete mine? The very first thing he did was he called them. You can't be a disciple, a follower of Christ, unless he calls you. And if you've been coming to Christ Upper North for a very long time, you know that you are not here without reason. You are here because at some point he called you to this moment. The disciples laid down what they had going on. Some were fishermen, some were very successful tax collectors, some were businessmen. They, they, they were doing things with their life. But in order to follow him, to get their true assignment, they had to lay down what they had going on to follow him. Calling them to something else much bigger and much greater they could have done on their own. See, the disciples had the luxury of seeing God in the flesh at that time. They got to speak to him. They got to talk to him. They got to eat dinner with him. They got to walk with him. They got to see him fart. They got to do all those things, okay? <laughs> they got to be connected with Jesus. And some of you may be like, well, that's an unfair advantage. They got to see him in the flesh. They got to walk with him. Right? If I hung around Steph Curry, I think I'd be a better jump shooter. I'm just saying. Right? Like, <laughs> I think I would have learned a trick or two. However, we had the same thing in the Holy Spirit today. Is the more time we spend, the more time we're connected, the better I understand what my calling is. And you can understand that if you have some kind of fire, some kind of conviction, 
some kind of desire that is building up and it feels like you can't contain it. I'm going to venture to guess that's probably your calling. The thing that you're probably naturally gifted to is something that God has stored up inside of you. It's probably leading you to your calling. The second thing he did when he calls them and they answer the call is that he gave them power. He equipped them to be able to pull whatever they were called to do off. Now, I'm not sure about you, but if I get called to go into an insane asylum to drive out demons, I will be pretty terrified to do it on my own. I don't have the education, I don't have the training, I don't have any of this stuff. And you're asking me to do what now? Thankfully, I don't have to do it on my own. Thankfully, he, Jesus, gave them power to do so. The good news is for those of you that have a dream or a calling that feels bigger than what you think you can do on your own, guess what? It is. It is bigger than what you can do on your own. However, he has the time, the money, the resources, the connections to help you pull it off. He doesn't call those already equipped. He calls you and then equips you. He didn't say, hey, Peter, I know you're a fisherman, but you have an incredible ability to drive out demons. How about you just go do it now? No, he calls Peter. Peter, spend some time with me. All right, now, Peter, go and do. Well, how? Because I told you to. Well, what am I going to do it with? With the power I gave you. That's exactly, he just, that's what he just, you, he gave him what he needed to go and do. And oftentimes it's about your life experiences that he's been equipping you for your entire life. When I look back at my life, I was just a 16-year-old boy who fell in love with a computer science class in high school. And for whatever reason, unbeknownst to him, um, the teacher there sort of kind of grew a liking to me. And I to him, because he gave me freedom to play with toys that I didn't have access to all the time. So much so that um, he put the athletic nerd in front of, in charge of the athletic website. So for the, last, for the next two and a half years, I got to update the athletic website for Park Hill South High School. And I absolutely loved it, to doing that. I, it was just a passion of mine. I was always tinkering with stuff. I was the kid that was making five bucks, uh, changing people's MySpace pages and backgrounds and stuff, because I knew a little bit about how to do that, right? I just loved doing it. It was just a passion of mine. I go off to college and you know, go to get my business degree, and you have to take some electives in college. Well, for those of you who know, you probably in your electives want to go for the easy A. I'm just saying, something that you know, something that you're like, you know what, I need these, I need these credits. I'm running track. I'm tired all the time. I'm, I'm just going to go for the easy A. So in my electives, I signed up for, guess what, web design courses. 
great. Easy A in my books. I loved it. It was something of passion of mine. That's what I went for. Go off to get my master's degree. Think now I'm coaching. And again, I'm looking, hey, what degree? What Outside of coaching, at the time, I was thinking coaching was going to be my career path. Um, what would I do? Well, if I wasn't going to coaching, at least I could probably pick up IT. And so I went for the IT degree and got it, got the IT management degree, not knowing that he's equipping me my entire life in order to do exactly what I'm doing now, making creating websites and tools so that coaches and athletes, when they commit their life to Christ, they can log on and get equipped for their walk. I had no idea that that started not in 2022, but 20 years ago, following my passions, because something I was just interested in. He foresaw that I would get to work with coaches and athletes, thousands of coaches and athletes every year, trying to help them with their walk in Christ through the use of technology. Had no idea. Still blows my mind. He equipped me here so I can do here. The next thing he does after giving them power is he sends them. And young people, I want you to know that there's a difference between when he sends you and when you send you. I do not want you to go out into the world thinking that you got this. Because too many times and too many examples, we see pastors, worship leaders, etc. have an incredible gift and calling in their life, but they went before they were sent, and they couldn't handle what they were supposed to handle. I look at the young man in Maverick City Music, right? Incredible singer. Got incredibly famous. Maybe it was before his time. Maybe it's a little too much immature to be able to handle the incredible celebrity he got off of it. And it saddens me that too many times we see people go before they are sent because they recognize the calling in their life, but they have, he hasn't sent them yet. So understand, there's a big difference from where your ambition can take you to where he will take you. Not be able to handle the responsibilities you're calling leads to destruction. Not being humble enough when you receive power can lead to destruction. Even though he sent them, when they came back, he gives them rest. You don't get tired along the way. And after being sent, you get to come back home and continue to get refreshed. So just because he sends you doesn't mean you don't come back and continue to get refreshed over and over and over again. However, there's even more lessons we can learn in this story. Verse 32, it says, So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns 
and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them something, themselves something to eat. See, the disciples go and have some great success, but they come back and have some failures. And the first failure they have is that they pray for the multitudes to go away. This is their calling. And yet the burden of having to do their calling, they actually pray it away. God, I would love this job promotion because it will give me this much more salary. And maybe I could buy this nice fancy new car that I've been having my eyes on. Or I can buy this new house that I've been circling on Zillow and keep sending my fiance. That's just me. I'm sorry. Um, he was talking to me. Um, but God, I don't want the extra responsibilities of having to manage more people or bigger projects. Please go, go for it away. Send the multitude away. God, I would love to get married. Please send me a wife. And in a few months, God, this whole sacrificing and serving another person, this is, please take the multitude of serving away. <laughs> I've been reading this in a devotional, and you're trying to get me prepared for marriage, but that seems like a lot. Could you just take it away from me? Don't pray for the calling, and then the burden of the calling, you pray away the multitude. The story is often preached about the miracle, but we're forgetting that the disciples are there and they still have the same issues that we deal with today. Verse 37 continues. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it, them, give it to them to eat? God, you're calling me. But I don't have enough. I see the multitude. I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money don't have the resources. I don't have the connections to fulfill my calling. I don't have enough. He's called you to serve the purpose for a reason. You answered the call. You had the multitudes of needs to be met. Go fill them. Feed them. That's exactly what Jesus says. Look what you have. Give it to them. Feed them. Verse 38 says, How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go 
and see. The thing is, is the disciples did not know what they had. So he sends them to say, hey, what do you have? I have a calling. I've been equipped with power. I have two loaves. I have five and two loaves. Uh, and two fish, I'm sorry. I have a number two from Burger King. <laughs> Jesus knows what you have. He knows what's in your cupboard. He knows all you have is bread, butter, cinnamon, and sugar. Go and make treasure. Period. He knows what you have. Use what you have. Use what you have. You have enough. Verse 38 continues. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in the groups of the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish amongst them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Jesus calls you. He calls you to him. And by spending time with him, he gives you an assignment. In order to do that assignment, he gives you the power to do it. Do not pray for the multitudes to go away. Know what you have and use it. Now, some of you may recognize yourself more of the multitude than the disciples. The disciples have a relationship with him. And if you have something empty inside of you, we're going to be here. This is not about someone else who's in the, in the room. This is about you answering the call. Yes, yes. Brother DJ is going to be up here after church asking you to answer that call. Yes. I encourage you to first answer the call so that you can make your first step in order to be assigned. You want a bigger purpose and a bigger reason? Answer the call. You have enough. Jesus calls you enough. Staying connected to him will help you give a bigger purpose than you can imagine. Most importantly, he's going to call you into account to give an account of what you, gave, what you did with it. So don't miss the Bible studies. I probably would recommend not missing Sunday services so that whatever you go, you are equipped with the power to do so. DJ, would you uh, close this out here? And then we're going to open the doors of the church today. So.